James chapter 2. We're going chapter by chapter through the book of James with a series titled Lessons in the Trial. And today's message, if you like taking notes, is specifically titled Faith That Works. Faith That Works. We want to ask ourselves the question and the challenge, encouragement that we get through the book of James, specifically in this portion of James chapter 2, is that is your faith working? Is your faith working? Now in the first now portion of James chapter 2, we learn that, that true saving faith practices impartiality. That means that true saving faith is not a respecter of persons. It doesn't discriminate on who it loves and who it serves. But now we're going to see that true saving faith practices action. True saving faith practices action. And with that, we are reminded that faith is not something that you just talk about. But faith is something that motivates you to love others and to serve them. That it motivates you to love them and to serve them. Now faith is essential. But our actions that follow our faith are also essential. Our actions that follow our faith are also essential. How many of you guys heard the phrase maybe before in your life? Your now actions speak louder than your words. Come on, say it with me. Your actions speak louder than your And that's exactly what he's going to tell him. Your actions speak louder than your words. And it starts with your faith. Is your faith real? Is your faith real? Because faith is a really a key doctrine in the Christian life. It's all about our faith. In, in fact, in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, Paul tells us, you are saved by grace through faith. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, Paul then says, Walk by faith and not by sight. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, again the apostle says, Without faith, is it, it's impossible to please God. Do you see why faith is such an essential now doctrine to your relationship with God? It's been said before that faith is not believing in spite of evidence. Faith is not believing in spite of evidence, but it's obeying in spite of consequence. Do you see that? When you obey in spite of your consequences, it really shows that your faith is real. It's not believing in spite of evidence. It's obeying in spite of consequences. It's truly trusting God. I love what Warren Worsby said when he talked about faith. He said, faith is not an emotional feeling. It is the confidence that God's word is true and the conviction that gives action on the word of God that will bring his blessing. When you read the word of God, is there any action? Because it's in that action, it's in that obedience that there is blessing now. And here we see that faith that works, is, it's really generally the central theme of this entire epistle of the book of James. But he's going to tell us what kind of faith saves a person. What kind of faith saves a person? Ask yourself that. Because here, the Jewish believers and Christians now claim to have faith in Jesus Christ, but their life showed no evidence of it. And today it's so easy to claim something. It's easy to claim that you're a Christian. It's easy to claim that, that you do one thing or the other, but there's no really evidence to show that you actually do it. 
And he wanted to tell the Jewish believers here, you might claim that you're a Christian, but your life is not showing it. It's not consistent. And if you have faith, and if your faith is real, it's going to affect every area of your life. It's been said before, any declaration of faith, any declaration of faith that does not result in a changed life and in good works is a false declaration. Just think about that. Anytime that you declare that you have faith in Jesus Christ, but it's not followed by a changed life or good works, it is a false declaration now. It's a false declaration. But here he's going to tell us that we know that we have eternal life because of the evidence of our faith and our faith is real. It's like that Sunday school song that the kids sing. If you're saved and you know it, then your life will surely show it. Just imagine, we lived off of that one line. If you're saved and you know it, then your life is going to surely show it. Is your life showing that you are saved? And he's talking about works. And he's going to give us a relationship between faith and works. Why are faith and works important? Now, we're not saved by our works. We are not saved by our works. But our works display that our faith is real. When you have a real faith, it's going to be followed by works. In fact, works are a response to the grace of God that saves us. And what he wants to tell here the Jewish believers is that is your faith real or is it just an empty claim? Do you just come to church? Do you just say that you're a Christian? Are you really saved? Because when you're really saved, your life is going to show it. He's going to talk about three types of faith here in chapter 2, starting in verse 14. He's going to talk about a dead faith. He's going to talk about an emotional faith. And he's going to talk about a dynamic faith. I'm going to say that again because I want you to know it. He's going to talk about a dead faith, an emotional faith, and a dynamic faith. Ask yourself today the question, where is my faith at today? Let's read James chapter 2, verse 14. What is the prophet, my brethren? If someone says he has faith, but does not have works, can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to him, Depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things which they need for the body, what does it profit? Thus also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, it is dead. Let's go ahead and pray. Lord, Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. We ask, Lord, that it would speak to us, God. We ask, God, that this morning that you would challenge our faith. Lord, that it would not be a dead faith. It would not be an emotional faith. But it would be a dynamic faith, a faith that changes our life. A faith that is powerful. It would be more than intellectual. More than just feelings. But it would be a true transformation that is followed by a changed life and a life that is serving others. I pray this all in Jesus' name and together we said, Amen. Amen. Now it says here, what does it profit or what benefit when talking about a dead faith or an intellectual faith, my brethren? If someone says that he has faith but does not have works, can that faith save him? Or does that type of faith really save anyone? Now notice that. What is it profit if someone says that they are a believer or they have faith in Jesus Christ, but they have no works to follow that, or there are nothing that really now gives testimony to their faith? Can that type of faith 
really save anyone? You see the question that he's asking here? Does that type of faith save anyone? In the New Living Translation, it says this. What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say that you have faith, but you don't show it by the, your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Now, we're, we know that we are saved by grace. It is the grace of God that saves us. But it is our faith that we're putting our trust and our faith in the grace of God that really shows that our salvation is real. Not only that, but a transformed life. It's been said before that faith alone saves, but faith that saves is not alone. <laughs> faith alone saves. Faith in the grace of God alone saves. But faith that saves is never alone. Have you ever heard someone that says, you know, well, I go to the gym or I work out, I run all kinds of miles, but you really can't tell. <laughs> you, got, you can't really tell that they've been working out, but they say that. And they go out maybe even to the gym, but most of the time they're on their phone <laughs> or they're talking to people or they're sitting down, they're standing up and there's no really evidence that they're exercising or that they're really working out. They're not exercising now their muscles. I want to ask you today, are you exercising your faith? Well, you're not just coming to church, but your faith is actually working and you can see it at work. You can see it at home. You can even see it at church with a desire to fellowship with people, a desire to serve them. This is exactly what he's talking about. What, what good is it if you talk, but you don't walk? <laughs> what good is it if you have everything that you can say, but your faith is dead because you're substituting all the works with all your words only. He's exhorting us here. Your walk, it's not measuring up to your talk. How many times are we have been, we've been guilty of being big talkers? But our life doesn't display what we talk about. In fact, in Titus chapter 3 verse 8, what did Paul tell Titus? He said, this is a faithful saying. And these things I want you to affirm constantly, he says, that those who believed in God should be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable to men. It is important that your life is filled with the evidences of spiritual life as well. What are the evidences that say that you are spiritually living? In fact, we have to check all our vitals today. Is there any signs of life, of spiritual life today? Where we love people, that we want to serve them. In fact, to give us an example in verse 15. If a brother or sister is naked or is destitute of daily food. If someone has need of something that is essential like food and clothing. He gives us an example. And you say to them, depart, be warm, be filled. But you don't actually meet the physical needs. What good does that faith or even that word do here in verse 15 and 16? That's so common oftentimes. That we maybe know about a need. And we say that we have faith in Christ. But we hear about this need and instead of wanting to meet that need, we say, well, we'll pray for you and God bless you and we know God's going to provide. That's our favorite one. <laughs> but what is God wants to use you to provide? <laughs> in fact, it's so easy to say that God's going to meet the need, but we can't use that or use even prayer as an excuse or a substitute now because the, uh, the, the answer to prayer is often you. And I want you to take that as a responsibility. The answer to prayer 
is often you. And that's exactly what he's exhorting them. He's telling them, faith by itself, if it does not have works. So let's read verse 16 and 17. And it says, if one of you says to them, depart in peace, be warm, be filled, but you do not give them, you do not meet the needs now, which are needed for the body, what is the profit? What value does your faith have? What kind of value does your faith bring today? In fact, verse 17, it goes on, it says, this also faith by itself, faith that is not backed up, that shows no evidence of love or of service or of Christ. If it does not have works, it is dead. Now there, next to the word dead, you can write the word worthless or the word useless. Because that's what he means. It is a worthless, useless type of faith. It doesn't save anyone, that type of faith. In fact, it's not real. Because it's not producing any fruit. It has no visible fruit. It's not responding now to the needs. And I want you to know this. You can have words of compassion without acts of compassion. You cannot have words of compassion without acts of compassion. And that's exactly what he's telling this. In fact, in Hebrews chapter 10, the apostle says this. Don't forsake the assembling of ourselves together. Don't forsake. In fact, we need to assemble so that we can stir one another up. Isn't that amazing? When you come to church, you're stirring one another up to do what? Love and good works. In fact, when we come together as a body of Christ, you know why this is needed? So that we don't become stale in our faith. So that we don't become dead in our faith. So that we don't become cold in our faith. It's not enough just to say, I believe. And that's exactly what he's telling us this. Faith without works or faith that doesn't have any works to back it up will not save anyone because true saving faith brings spiritual life and spiritual life when you have life guess what also you have growth you can't say you know what i have a dynamic spiritual life but i haven't been growing then you don't have a spiritual life because life always has growth you see what he's talking about here about a dead faith that is not followed by works well let's look at the emotional type of faith in verse 18 and 19. Because some will say or excuse themselves. Oh, listen, brother, you have all the works, but I have all the faith. <laughs> and he's going to say, no, that's not the way it works. Your faith must show that it is real with evidences and living proof. And I love how he comes out in verse 18 and 19 because he really wants to shock us as complacent hearers. It's so easy to come to church and become complacent. Maybe you come to church and hear the message, but it really doesn't do nothing to you. And you hear it, but it, it doesn't sink into your heart. Here, what he wants to do is he wants to shock the complacent hearers. And listen to what he does, because he's saying here, some of you will argue against me. Some of you, when, when I say this, when I'm writing this, James is saying, some of you won't like it. And you guys will argue against this like this, verse 18. But some of you will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith. This is his answer. I say, show me your faith without your works. Let's see if you can show me your faith without your works. And I will show you my faith by my works. Do you see how he wants to really us to be able to show our faith? He said, all right, go ahead. Show me your faith without your works. Let's see if you can do it. You can't do it. But show me now. Let me show you my faith by my works so you can see it's real. I heard an example recently that, that faith, and, and it, it really, this is the really one that's going to convict us all. 
Faith is like calories. You can't really see calories, but you can see what they do to you. And you see how faith should be so natural, so visible as to as, you know what, I'm applying faith, I'm growing in the Lord, and you visibly see it in my life and those that are around me. And this is what he's saying. Show me your faith without your words. Can you do that? That's impossible. But I will show you my faith by my works. I will show you my trust in the Lord by the way that I live my life. It goes far beyond. And I want to tell you, especially in the culture that we live in, it goes far beyond you coming to church. It goes far beyond you claiming something on your social media because everyone wants to say something on social media but when we're hiding behind our phone and our screen it's very easy to be a christian (laughs) what happens when you're around people that really need the love of the lord what happens when there are needs in the body of christ that must be met when it comes now to you being the hands and the feet of jesus and saying i want to serve because this is a natural response that my faith is real I'm living for God now. Now, look at what he's saying here. You can't show me your faith without works or any evidence of it. If you ever want to see that something is true or it's false, guess what you want to look at? Proof. Give me evidence. Is it real? What the proof and the evidence of your faith is demonstrated in your works. It shows that your faith is authentic. Your faith is not fake. It's not emotional. Verse 9, it says... You believe that there is one God. You believe that there's one God and you do well. Some of you believe that there's a God and you have your theology right. You studied it. And you're emotionally, you think that, I know that there's one God. Good for you. But notice what he says going on in verse 19. Even the demons believe and they tremble. (laughs) So what makes you any different? What is your faith or how is your faith any different than the faith of a demon. You see how he gives us this exaggerated contrast between the faith of a demon and our faith? Why does he say that? Because the demons know, understand this, that the demons know that there is one true God. In fact, they even tremble now. Do you remember all the stories through the Gospels where Jesus approached them and the demons would speak out of the people and say, I know you are the son of the living God. You are the Christ, the Messiah. And Jesus would rebuke them. Why? Because the demons recognize the one true living God who is Christ. And they tremble at it. But notice that type of faith doesn't save them. It doesn't save anyone because that type of faith is saying, I know that that is the one true living God. But I haven't put my trust in Him yet. And that's exactly what He's saying. Oftentimes it's so easy for us to believe, well, I know there's one true, a one true living God. I know His Word. And I know that it's Him. That is the, the true God. Everything else is false. But I'm going to look at that type of faith. I'm going to look at the type of truth from a distance. And I'm never really going to put my faith on the Lord. I've come across so many people, and I'm sure you have too. But they believe that the Bible is true. They believe that God is the one true living God, the God of the Bible, Jesus of the Bible. Yet they refuse to put their trust in the Lord. That's exactly an emotional type of faith. In fact, it's saying they just tremble. It just brings emotion out of them, but it provokes no permanent reaction to put their trust in the Lord. No, true saving faith involves something more. It involves something that can be seen. It involves something that can be seen, and it always involves a changed life. 
Ask yourself, has my life changed? Has your life changed? Because that is the natural proof and evidence that your faith is real. True faith is always followed by true transformation. You cannot say that you have faith in the Lord, but your life has not changed. True faith is followed by true transformation. And it involves trusting in Christ. It involves living for Christ. It involves receiving the life of Christ, receiving it, but also revealing the life of Christ. You see, not only do I receive the life of Christ when I have true faith, I also reveal the life of Christ through me. You see what it means to have a dead faith. It's followed by no works. An emotional faith that knows that there is one true God, however, has not put their trust in the Lord. But what about a dynamic faith? That's the kind of faith we all want to have. It has not to do with the intellect of what you know, what you don't know. It's not about the emotion, what you feel. It's beyond that. It goes to the will. To the will. You know what it means when it goes to the will? It's talking about obedience. A dynamic faith, a powerful faith, a faith that changes your life. Let's read verse 20 here. But you want to know, oh foolish man, that faith without works, again, he wants to tell them and remind them, faith without works is dead. And he calls them a foolish man. Don't you want to see, don't you see how wrong you are? That you might say that you profess Christ, but you don't possess Christ in your life. Are you pro, uh, professors of faith and not possessors of faith today? That's what he's telling them. Notice here, verse 21. He's going to give them an example, an Old Testament example. He wants to tell them and show them what kind of faith they should have displayed in their life. And he tells them here, there should be a reaction. There should be a response now that makes your faith real. It makes your faith beautiful now. And in verse 21, look what he says here. It says, was not Abraham our father whom they revered? Whom they respected? Whom they idolized? It says, was not Abraham our father justified by works? When he offered Isaac his son on the altar? It's a question. Do you remember when the Lord told Abraham, Abraham, I want you to grab your son, your only son, the son that you've been praying for, and I want you to take him to the altar, and I want you to sacrifice your son to me. And what did Abraham do? He took his servants, he took an animal, and he took a few animals that he left behind, and he took his son. And he headed up to the sacrifice his son. And he's saying here, was not Abraham considered or looked upon that the Lord now justified him? In verse 21, he's saying, by his works when he offered now his son Isaac on the altar. Look at that word justified. What does it mean? Justified or justification is, is a single event. It's not an ongoing process. It's a single event that Abraham was justified or he was made right with God. Abraham was made right with God on the basis of who God is, the grace of God, and the goodness of God. And, and notice what it was. It wasn't his works only, but it was his faith displayed through his works. Notice here in verse 22. Do you see that faith was working together, circle working together with his works, and by works, faith was made perfect. This is amazing. Don't you see here what he's saying? That his faith and his actions were working together. Are your faith and actions working together today? 
to display that you really trust in the Lord. And that's exactly what he's saying here. That faith and actions were working together and his actions made his faith perfect. It made his faith complete now. It showed that his faith was real. In fact, his faith was revealed that he really trusted God in that he took his son to sacrifice him. Now the Lord stopped him. The angel of the Lord stopped him and said, here's now a ram that you ought to sacrifice to the Lord. And the Lord provided an animal, a sacrifice on that day. But because Abraham trusted God, his faith was demonstrated that it was real. And the Lord looked upon that event. He looked upon that his faith and said, you know what? He is justified. In fact, verse 23, it tells us this. And scripture was fulfilled. When it says this, Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. Why was he called the friend of God? Do you notice that nobody else in the Bible is called the friend of God? But why was Abraham called the friend of God? Because of how real his faith was. That whatever the Lord told him to do, he believed it. And he trusted the Lord without borders, without limits. There was nothing that he didn't trust the Lord with. Is there anything today that you don't trust the Lord with? That if the Lord asks you, I want you to give me that. And your faith is tested. That you would say, you know what, Lord, ask me for anything else. Just not this. <laughs> You know, Abraham's faith was real and it was demonstrated in that he offered his son Isaac now. And he was called a friend of God. You know what a friend of God means? And he had an intimate relationship with the Lord because of the way that he displayed his faith and how he lived his faith out in obedience. Do you see how obedience is so important now? Obedience was absolutely what made Abraham and his faith now real before the Lord. It's a dynamic faith, a faith that continues throughout our whole life and it leads us to work. It leads us to step out and to obey. Now verse 24, see, you see then that a man is justified by works and not by faith only. Now, some of us will say, well, wait a minute. I thought we were justified. I thought we were made right by the grace of God. Well, you are. It's by the grace of God. But it's not only by you trusting and putting your faith in the grace of God. It's also by you demonstrating that that faith and that trust that you have placed on the grace of God is real and is demonstrated by the way that you live your life, by the works. What are the works that are following your life right now that are demonstrating that your life is real? Now notice this, likewise, verse 25, as we continue reading, was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out another way? Now in the Old Testament, Joshua sent out two spies when they were going to go out and invade the land. And as they were going to go out and invade now the land, what did he do? They went in, these two spies, and they met Rahab, and Rahab hid those two spies. And as she hid those two spies, what had happened was that her faith in the Lord was demonstrated in that she received them into her house. And he gives us two contrasts between a righteous man like Abraham, but also she, he gives us a contrast by giving us Rahab now. And Rahab was a prostitute. But he uses her as an example to show that it was her faith in Christ that was real, her faith in the Lord that was real, that really demonstrated a genuine type of faith. That both of them heard and received now the message of the Word of God. Not only that, but they obeyed it. And that's exactly what's important, that they obeyed it, demonstrating it by their works. You know what the Bible talks about different works? It talks about the works of the law. 
The works of the law will never save you. In Galatians chapter 2, verse 16, it talks about the works of the law. The works of the law, or the Ten Commandments, trying to keep the Ten Commandments, or in your own works, trying to be saved or be right with God will never justify you. But it also gives us the works of the flesh. The works of the flesh. These are our sinful nature. What our sinful nature desires, what our sinful nature wants. That will not save you either. The works of the flesh. But then the Bible also talks about in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, the works of the Spirit or the fruit of the Spirit. And that is what demonstrates that your faith is real. The work and the fruit of the Spirit that is visible in your life. Let's read verse now 25 again. By works, when she received the messengers and she sent them another way. You see Rahab's faith displayed in action. Verse 26, for as the body without the spirit is dead, notice how it gives us a biblical definition of death here. So faith without works is dead also. Now, do you see here how the body without the spirit is fruitless? There's no more life in it. It has no value because the spirit is gone. The life out of that is gone now of that person. It's just a corpse. And the life out of that person is gone. And, and do you see how now that, that when you take the works out of the faith, is saying, then the faith is no longer real. And he's explaining this, he's exhorting this, because he wants us to ask ourselves the question, is my faith real or is it not real? Is my faith dead or is my faith alive? Is there any evidence that my faith is living? I mean, just think about it. You go to... A fruit tree, for example, an apple tree. Do you think that the life is in the apple? It's in it? No, it's not in the apple. It's in the roots of the tree. And if the roots of the tree are sinking and they're healthy and they're living and there's now nutrients in those roots of that tree and in that soil, guess what's going to happen? It's going to produce fruit. And so likewise, the Christian. And the Christian is grounded. And the Christian is healthy. When the Christian is nourished from the Word of God, their faith is real, and their faith now gives fruit. And that's exactly what James is telling them. Is your faith real, or is it alive? But what is he looking for in their faith? He's looking for, number one, a transformation of life. A transformation of life. In fact, he told Titus in Titus chapter 1, verse 16, Paul tells Titus here. When he says this, they profess to know God. Look at what can easily happen when it comes to our faith. We can profess to know God, but in our works, we can deny Him. Being abominable, disobedient, and disqualified for every good work. Do you see how easy it is to say, well, I'm a believer in Jesus Christ, but my behavior displays something else. It's disobedient. It disqualifies me from true faith. Now here, what James is exhorting us is really when your faith is being tested that not only would you trust God but that you would obey him now I want you to leave you I want to leave you with three different major points as we close this morning and there are, there are questions that we have to ask ourselves when thinking about is my faith real number one is that I sincerely repent of my sins and turn from them that I sincerely repent from my sins and turn from them because we can say we have faith in the Lord but never repent and that is not true faith 
We can say, you know, I have faith in the Lord, but we haven't changed our lives. We're still living in sin, and that is not true faith. Number two, has there been a change in my life? Is there a change in your life right now that shows that your faith is real? Has there been a change in your life? And number three, I love this one because this has to do a lot with you if your faith is real. This is one of the most visible ones for us today. And it is this, do I enjoy fellowship with God and God's people? Do I enjoy fellowship with God in God's people? Is worship something that you desire to do? Because the, the worst thing is to say that you have faith in the Lord, but you stay away from church. Do you have faith in Jesus Christ, but you don't want to fellowship with other believers? Do you have faith in the Lord, but you don't want to spend time with Him? It, it really automatically shows that your faith is not growing, and in fact, that your faith is getting cold. And that's exactly why it's so important that we would come together, stir one another up, and say, we don't want our faith just to be, go from our lips. We want to go from our lips to, to our heart and then to our hands. So that others can know that our faith is true. Can we go ahead and pray this morning? Lord, Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord Jesus, for your word. We thank you, Lord, that you've exhorted us today to not just talk about our faith, but to live our faith. I pray that today, Lord, that we would be fully focused in who you are, God. Fully focused in obeying you, God. We thank you because even as Abraham, who was justified, he was declared right with you, God. He was declared right with you, God, not simply because of his faith, Lord, but because his faith was revealed. His faith was revealed in who you, in his obedience, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that our faith would be revealed in our obedience.